Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Living free. Ah, welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855kHz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Hi, I'm Bill, and we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, um, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio, and we pay our respects to their elders, past and present. This land was stolen, sovereignty was never ceded. Each week on The Living Free Show, we showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. Uh, I'd like to welcome Ange to the show this afternoon. Hi, Ange. Hi, Bill. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Great to have you back. Thank you for having me. Um, Ange is a compulsive gambler uh, who's recovering with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. Um, Ange, you were on the show back in August 2020. Uh, I think you'd been in GA about a couple of years then. And when yep. you were on the show last time, you were talking about um, gambling in social media games. Um, so first off, that's what I'd really like to sort of, I guess, start off with today. But first off, do you want to just give us a quick um, bio of, of how you got into gambling uh, and yep. where it took you? Sure, sure. Um, well, I haven't, um, I'm currently, I haven't had a bet for nearly four years, which, you know, is an absolute blessing. Um, my gambling journey was a slow burn, I suppose, when um, the first time I ever played um, the pokies when, you know, you had to travel across to New South Wales and it was on holidays and, um, you know, it was great fun. It used to be a lot of fun to, to go and have a bet. But um, I suppose over time my the fun disappeared and my I had a few... Um, major events in my life which uh, which made my my gambling and my need to escape um, overwhelming I suppose is the best word to use um, my young my daughter my daughter was um, in high school and was diagnosed with with cancer and so she was going through chemotherapy and doing year 12 and so it was very stressful um, and then at uh, while this was all going on my husband who is also um, a recovering alcoholic, he he became very very sick, and um, so I suppose it was the catalyst. Um, those those big events, when I look back, that that made my want to gamble and escape my reality quite over, oh, well, completely overpowering. And then ultimately, you know, I ended up thinking of nothing else but when I was going to have my next bet and how I was going to do it. And I think, um, as you said, my I had convinced myself that if I... Because you can you can find online games that are free. Um, and I thought, well, that's fine. I'll just play those on my phone and um, or my iPad. And, uh, well, eventually I just... I would do that with every spare second I had and I would... The free games didn't last as long as I'd like because I wanted to keep gambling. So... You had to buy credits, so I would buy them. Um, 
you know, to start off with just a few dollars and then, you know, the more credits, you got more credits, the more you spent and then I'd, I'd convinced myself that it was cheaper than going to a venue because, um, you know, I wasn't going to spend as much, but <laughs> over time that changed and I got to a point where um, I was never going to win any money. All I ever wanted to do was win enough credits to just keep gambling and so, you know, I suppose many gamblers would say that they gamble because they want the money or the money will help to rectify the damage that they've caused in their life. They just have to have that big win. Um, but that never, that wasn't wasn't me. Um, it was never about the money. It was just about the escape. And however I could find it was, and when it went in my hand and so easy to do, I just spent, you know, hours and hours and hours of every day on my iPad hypnotised by the online game. Um, and <laughs> they still pop up occasionally as little things on the bottom of different things, but um, they, they still find you. You have to be so careful, and I, I feel, for um, the young addicted gambler who um, uses their online... They use their phone to do everything. That's their lives, it's their, their banking their communication, everything. And it's also so easy to gamble because it's just, it's always at the end of your hand. So you don't have to go to a venue anymore. It's just so accessible. And 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 it's scary, really, that it can be so easy to get trapped. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, it's, it's really frightening that um, being locked into a device, it's a bit like um, people with an eating disorder. They've still got to eat, um, but... If you if you are a compulsive eater, you have to be able to manage that. Um, you know, what everybody else takes for granted, you've got to manage. You know quite um, directly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was interested in uh, what you were saying about uh, the free credits and and I guess encouraging you to to get more and more to be able to gamble more and more. Um, a lot. Of, you mentioned about gamblers um, sort of after the big win. But I think from what I've spoken to gamblers about, it's it's really trying. The big win is to try and recover the losses, to try and yeah. get back to zero. Um, and I guess it's the same um, with you um, in just just trying to. Uh, it, it's taking it's taking all that time away so that you don't have to worry about other things. Um, yeah. And it's just that's, leads that's to a it. lot of isolation, yeah. That's it, yeah. yeah. You know, I would um, be under the doona in the spare room because I'd say that my husband was snoring so I could go in there and, I, I, you know, I'd be playing into the middle of the night. And um, and then when I'd try and go to sleep, I was so overstimulated. I couldn't, you know. My bells and whistles and <laughs> noises and flashing lights were all still whirring around in my head. Uh, it, it, it's such, you know, I look back and think, I mean, I, I, I know that I was completely crazy and insane and I look back now and just think how consumed I was and how, how free I feel now um, when, when I don't have to think about that. It, it just lends my, leaves me so much space to do other things with my life that I wasn't able to do before. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so do you want to talk about um, what it was that caused you to think you've got to You've got to stop. You've got to get help. What what was it that triggered you to uh, take action? Um, it was, I suppose, 
there was another event going on in my life at the time when I stopped. So coming up for four years for me, I was um, finishing my treatment for breast cancer. So I kind of, I suppose, I had that in my head. That was another reason to escape my, you know, my circumstances. And my husband, who was, you know, it was just the two of us living at home and, you know, I'd always have the iPad in my hand and it was always in when the telly was on, I'd be always playing games. And he would sort of come over and go, you know, you're addicted to that thing. You need to get rid of it and I'd take no notice. But one day, um, I think he picked it up and saw all the games that were on it and said he turned around and I only remembered this the other day because somebody mentioned something at a meeting that triggered the memory of it. Um, anyway, he he turned around and just started to cry. <laughs> Sorry, and said um, that he thought that he'd ruined my life. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. And, um, yeah. So that was the moment. That was the moment when I realised that I was. What damage I was just not only doing to myself but to him. So um, anyway, together we picked up a hammer and we smashed. <laughs> we both smashed the um, the iPad up, and um, and then I I went that night. The, that same very night, I went to my very first GA meeting. I, I finished my last um, radiotherapy treatment and walked sort of from the hospital straight to the meeting, I suppose, and started this new journey that's been so great. But yeah, that was that was definitely the moment when he, he just was heartbroken. Um, yeah, yeah. and I had forgotten it. I had forgotten all about it, but we were talking, we were sharing, and um, somebody said something that just reminded me of, of that. And that's one of the wonderful things about meetings. It reminds us to hear stories, and um, it reminds us that, <laughs> you know, we're just one bit away from that life again. Or that feeling, so yeah, it, it was it was pretty powerful. Yeah, it sort of brings us back to that inconsideration of others that we we do stuff, but we don't think about the impact on other people. And yeah, it's <laughs> it's hard when you look back to justify your behaviour uh, in that mm. situation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you you know you're so obsessed with what you're doing, you don't you really don't think about anybody but yourself. It's a very selfish, you know, illness. Um, and you you do you lose focus on the things that are important, and um, it, it, gambling stole steals a lot of those things from you. When you're in the throes of it, it um, you know, <laughs> it, it, like any kind of addiction, it's it, it, it's the driving force for everything you do. Um, so you know, I used to just say things like, oh, "I'm going shopping," or "I'm." going to go and visit a friend and I'd run in and say hello to my friend and run out, you know, <laughs> instead of staying and actually spending time with them or, or whatever because it was the, that time I could steal away and go and gamble. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, it's, um, it's good to remember where I've been. Yeah. And, um, and I think it, it, after four years, you know, not having a craving to, to, to gamble, um, I still need to be so careful and vigilant because I'm a compulsive gambler and um, I can't afford to get complacent. No, plus um, one of the other things about it is, you know, as well as the denial, is the dishonesty with others and just how much that complicates your life, trying to deflect others um, and, you know, sort of deny there's a problem 
make up stories about stuff. It, it takes a lot of your brain power. Oh, so much brain power. It does. And then, you know, you're wondering what you've told one person and did you tell them that lie or did you trick them into thinking this or, um, you know, <laughs> forever trying to find an excuse. So, yeah, it's just exhausting. You're on kind of your whole body's on high alert the whole time. So you can, you're worried. Like I was doing some of the things that I would do to disguise my behaviour. Was What was one of them was to steal the key to our post office box and so that my husband couldn't go and get the mail and find the bank statements. I'd have to do that or I'd get up early enough so that I'd get there before him and so then I could destroy the evidence of my behaviour before he saw them. Thank goodness he didn't get them online. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, that was just, you know, that was just one incident of deception and um, concealment because, you know, you just live in fear of being caught and and having what you've done exposed. And, um, yeah, it's it's a horrible way to be, a horrible way to be. Yeah. So were you working at the time? I was, yes. I was working full time. So I would gamble on the weekends or I'd, if I could get to a venue, I'd like, I always wanted to go to a venue if I could go. Um, but otherwise I was just, you know, for every hour, every hour I wasn't working, I was sitting at home with my the iPad in my lap or hiding in the bedroom with it. So, yeah, there wasn't much time for anything else. <laughs> mm. So how did that affect your relationships with your husband and daughter? So I've got a son as well as a daughter. Okay. Um and it's been interesting. Well, they, the children, my two kids had left home by the time I got to be completely manic. Um, so they weren't aware, I suppose. Um, and, well, my husband, obviously, he said that, you know, he he felt that I was gambling because of him, because of what he'd been doing. Excuse me. And so it affected him hugely. Yeah. Um but he, I suppose it's interesting because when he went into recovery for himself and he started going to AA, he, one of the first things he did was forgive himself because he said to me, I can't, I can't, if I, if, if I don't forgive myself, I won't ever get better because I'll just be consumed by guilt. And so he afforded me the same courtesy. So for what I'd done, he did forgive me. Um, And so, you know, that's (laughs) a double blessing, really. So he... And, and, you know, I realised just how fortunate I am and there are so many gamblers who his partners aren't and weren't as forgiving as my husband and, you know, marriages have been lost and relationships destroyed and, um, you know, I'm just very fortunate that that wasn't my case at all, and my children and my husband um, and all my friends, they all just forgave me and just never talk about it again, really. Yeah. It's yeah. it's accepting the fact that you did it without you being consciously aware that you weren't trying to do it. It was it was happening to you. You were the you were the you were the person that was happening to you um, and you couldn't stop it. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's the acceptance uh, that I see. That had you known what you know now, yeah, you would have stopped, but you didn't. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or I would have sought help earlier and not got myself into the position I was in, you know. Yeah. Um, I like to tell people that I believe everybody's got a ticket on the train and just, you know, hopefully get off a few stops before the end of the line. And um, I suppose... I didn't get quite to the end of the line. Maybe there were a couple more stops I could have taken and, you know, my my gambling could have become even even as hard as it is for me to imagine, even even worse. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are people whose lives just don't recover from the actions that they've so they you know, they do have that ticket. We all have a ticket. Just gotta pick which station we wanna get off on and um I'm 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 gra- I'm grateful I got off and that <laughs> when I got off the train there was a GA meeting there for me on exactly the day that I needed it to be because in Geelong, where I live, we only have one meeting a week, but that day coincided with, you know, the end of my treatment and start of my new life and um, I was able to go straight there. Otherwise, I don't know what I would have done. I would have had to wait and that would have been that would have been hard. Yeah, it would have been disastrous, wouldn't it? Yeah. It could have been, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, okay. Uh, Wolfson, we might take a short break there. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got a song. This one's called Stairs and Whispers by Renee Gale.
genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing whitefellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. Ah, welcome back. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM radio dial and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, if you'd like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. Uh, you can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. Uh, today I'm talking with Ange and we're talking about compulsive gambling and her recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so Ange, before the um, break, we are talking about acceptance and forgiving forgiving ourselves and forgiving others, I guess. Um, so would you like to talk about how GA helped you to overcome gambling uh, compulsion? I wish I could. I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, it's it's a kind of a magic thing. I I, I always think um, one of the members in our group says it's 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 really weird that a group of well a group of strangers can come together and help each other and support one another and um, and then just sort of leave and not necessarily have anything to do with each other from day to day. Um, I don't know. I just, I honestly, I honestly believe um, that there's a kind of that spiritual magic, I suppose, in a room full of people who completely understand each other. And you don't necessarily um, know anything about the other members' lives um, other than what they share with us at a meeting. But we... We have a we have a common a common illness that 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 binds us in a in a really unusual way. Um, so I remember my very first meeting, the one that I went to when I was you know a wreck, and I sat in a room and I think there was only about maybe six or seven people there, maybe a bit more. Um, me and one other lady, the rest were all men, and um, being amazed at the fact that. Everything they said, I just totally got. Like, you know, I was like, it was insane. So um, then, you know, we had COVID and we all went to Zoom meetings and things like that. And and they were totally able to offer us a fabulous service in a time when we couldn't all get together. But I can remember the first meeting when we got back together in a room, and it was it was electric, like that incredible energy that's in a room full of people who. Who um, who share something so strange, I suppose, but also that understanding and that sense of belonging that comes with going to meetings that only can happen in, in my opinion, anyway, um, when we're all together in a room. And uh, I suppose I felt that feeling of sanctuary when I went to my first meeting. I felt acceptance. I felt an understanding. I felt um, a belonging, um, and also, you know, the, um, an acceptance, which was so comforting to know that there were people who, who, well, the other thing that I noticed that always struck me was they all looked happy 
on my first meeting, I went, everybody looked happy. I'm thinking, well, how can you be happy? You're all compulsive gamblers. But, of course, you know, they weren't gambling. And even if you weren't gambling for a, a couple of days or whether it was a week, a month or however many years, everybody was happy because together we'd all overcome, even for some length of time, a small length of time, um, our addiction. So that feeling was, was very was very comforting and um, there was one member who was at my first meeting who spoke and told his story and um, he he's now got 23 plus 24 years of ha- of um, not having had a bet um, and he just he just said that he even now thinks that he if he doesn't go to a meeting every week if he doesn't talk to a member or another GA member at least once a week that he thinks that he will gamble again, even after all these years. So his story was very um, enlightening, and also kind of it, it gave me a lot of a lot of um, a lot of hope, and also a sense of discipline about going to meetings. And um, you know that <laughs> I don't ever want to gamble again. I never want to feel the way I felt before. So if going to a meeting and sitting in a room full of strangers and talking about our illness um, means I don't, then it's, it's an easy price to pay for the things we've done in the past. Yeah. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned um, sitting in a room of strangers. Um, the strangers become friends, which is, mm. again, another interesting interesting journey in, in a fellowship. Um, but I was sort of thinking that one of the things that I noted was that a lot of people had worse stories than I did. So did you notice that, that people had worse stories but they'd still, they were still there and they were still heading forward? Yep. Oh, yeah, because some of them had been terrible places in jail and, um, you know, lost their families and all their relatives and friends had kind of forsaken them and they were terrible, you know. They were the people who, you know, when I said about getting on the train and getting off a few steps before the end, I think they, those ones had gone the whole, taken the whole trip the whole way and I'm sure it was hell for them, absolute hell. Um, yeah, and the other thing, yeah, so there was a couple of things that really struck me. One of them was that they were, um, they were smiling, they were, con- you know, they were, they were happy, that, um, that their stories were, were terrifying. Um, but the other thing was, but they were all intelligent people, you know. That we wasn't sitting in a room full of nuff who just were completely stupid. Like we weren't stupid people, but we were stupid. We were not, you know, not stupid people doing the most stupid things. So to me, that was just kind of so paradoxical that um, people with obvious intellect who had great jobs and were smart people could be so stupid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny when you talk about being stupid. If you consider it to be you know, an illness like you know cancer or other things that you you, you don't choose it uh, necessarily. No. So it it covers the whole range of the whole range of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's important that that acceptance thing. So how did you break it to your family, um, and how did they take it? Um. Well, they all knew, of course, that I was compulsive. Well, they all knew I gambled all the time. Um, so, um, 
after, well, obviously my husband knew immediately that I was going to my first meeting. He, he and I both have meetings for our addictions on the same night. Um, and it was just he and I at home. So there was no, but I was pretty quick to tell my, to tell my children and their partners, um, and, excuse me, and try and apologise to them. And the thing I apologised for wasn't the money that I spent, but for the time I didn't spend with them. And um, and they both, they all just said that they, it was okay because I was sick and I couldn't control myself. And um, so they, they just completely forgot me. And plus, forgave me, sorry. But they'd also been through this journey with their dad, um, who, you know, has now been in AA for, he's coming up for nine years in October, so a long time. But they saw some pretty terrible things and saw a very broken person. And I think um, they never felt that I was as sick as him, but I, in lots of ways I was. Um, it was just more obvious that he was sick. Yeah. Uh, we, could, we can hide it much more than someone who's stumbling and falling and, um, you know, can't talk. Yeah, so, yeah, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have the physical impact. Yeah, no, not 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 that anyone can see. Uh, um, it, it, it had a couple of physical impacts on me. I I used as a result of my gambling. One of the physical outcomes for me is um, that I clenched my jaw, and oh, okay. yeah. I, I actually I actually broke one of my te- teeth right, right in half, like from the just from clenching my jaw. <laughs> so yeah, it does have some impact on us. Of course, it does, but not. Not that other people can see, and so my kids went on this journey with him, um, and we went on it together as a family. And um, you know, it was wonderful. So in the last since I spoke to you last, my daughter got married, and she said that she never thought she'd see her dad walk her down the aisle and stuff like that. So you know, just some wonderful things have happened. And so they, I suppose, they had seen addiction at its worst. And so they, I think they, in a way, they completely understood what I was doing, you know, and why I did it. So they, so they just, they just, they just forgave me and said, it's okay, mum, you know, we, we don't care, you know, as long as you're okay, we don't care. Yeah, that's the main thing. As long as you're okay, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> <right. Yeah>. <laughs> once you're okay, then there's no burden on them. Um, yeah, and I think that's the thing about recovery is that the sooner you recover, the better it is for everybody. Yeah, not just you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true, and that's part of that self forgiveness thing, isn't it? Because if you, if you can if you don't allow yourself that time to recover without the crippling guilt, um, yeah. then you really don't get better. You just you just stay sick. I think when you're just in a in a really heart down to your soul, kind of horrible feeling of, well, for if you, those feelings of um, understanding what we've done and and actually facing ourselves and seeing the things we've, the hurt we've caused and the damage we've made, um, and being able to just say, okay, well that's what I've done and that's the past and move forward, um, is so important to our recovery because if we can't do that I don't I don't really see us ever moving forward and ever getting better yeah if you can't you know forgive and accept yourself you really can't do it for anybody else either yeah no that's it that's it
Yeah. Okay, well, so we might break for another song. Uh, this one's called Good Morning, How Are You? by the Moira Sisters from 1999. Serrated tussock is a noxious weed that has impacted our farmlands and environment across Victoria. Similar in appearance to many native tussock grasses, serrated tussock may go unnoticed in both pastures and native grassland for many years. Victorian Serrated Tussock Working Party has assisted hundreds of landholders to control this noxious weed and they can assist you by offering a wide range of information and management options for controlling this weed of national significance. Visit serratedtussock.com for more information. A 3CR supporter. Words out. Freedom of species has hit the airwaves. 
Tune in for debates and updates on both local and international animal protection news and events and learn about how you can live a cruelty-free, sustainable lifestyle. News, views and non-leather shoes. That's Freedom of Species, 1pm Sundays on 3CR. Authorised by the last few remaining kangaroos, Canberra. Uh, welcome back. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio, uh, live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And I'm talking with Ange, and we're talking about compulsive gambling and her recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so, Ange, um, before the break, we were talking about family and um, the impact of addiction on families. Um, but now I'd like to s- sort of shift a bit and talk about in recovery and in, in the Gamblers Anonymous Fellowship. So can you tell us a bit more about being part of a, a fellowship like GA and how how it works and how it works for you and for others? Yeah, sure. I suppose um, it's changed and morphed a bit recently. We've, um, you know, struggling in a, in a way to get people to come back to meetings, but um, that's slowly changing, which is great. Um, look, for me, I'd... I don't like to think where I would be without the fellowship, without the ability to co- to go and talk to people with the same illness as me, um, to share my thoughts and feelings, and um, with like-minded people. I think it's a it's an incredible privilege. Um, so, yeah, I think um, we we see people come and go, and we we hope they're okay. But we do I do worry about the people who don't seek the help they should, you know, the hope they get off that platform, you know, get off the train before the end of the end of the <laughs> line. Um, so but it's it's that magic that the fellowship's brought to my life, the 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 freedom from gambling, um, the compulsion having going going as a result of going to meetings and talking to these people, I think um, we were saying the other day that maybe one of the one of the benefits of the meeting, besides you know being able to share your feelings and thoughts, um, is is a sense of accountability. So you know maybe when you get an urge to gamble, if you know you're going to go to a meeting, it'll be enough to sort of say to sustain you to say, okay, well I'll go to the meeting and then if I still want to gamble, I'll I'll think about it tomorrow. Just putting off maybe that. First bet. Um, I think you know, as you said, that these strangers become your friends. Um, there's a you know a connection, a connectivity that that brings us all together. Um, and just <laughs> one of the things I love the most is is watching people change who come into the room um, downtrodden and broken. And you know, I, we had a member who who came and was you know, was defeated, as we've all been, and he was sitting there and he didn't say much for the first meeting and then he came again the next week and then he's been coming every week and now he's done, you know, three months he hasn't had a bet and he's a different person. I've just watched this incredible metamorphosis of somebody who was weighed down with their gambling addiction um, who comes bouncing into the room, <laughs> you know, that lightness of foot and... Um, 
just lightness of heart, and uh, and so you you give and you get. It's 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 such a nice, incredible thing to be able to do. So you know, we get people who come and remind us. So you know, the new the new people remind us of how we felt in the past, and. Um, that's so important because, as I said before, we don't want to ever get complacent and hearing people's stories reminds us of where we've been. People who haven't had a bet for a while, can you can forget. You can just think, okay, you know. But giving back to the fellowship is coming to the meetings and, um, and helping the new people and having them hear your stories and hear of the successes because if we all went to a meeting and everybody had only had a couple of days of haven't had a bet well there's kind of no history of success and so even people who haven't had a bet for 24 years still come to our meetings and share their stories with people who come for the first time because for, for one thing they can sympathize they have an empathetic ear the other thing is that they can see that it's possible to go for some length of time and not have a bet so there's that benefit for me and another one is um when people have a bus you know, I'm, I'm 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 so glad that at this stage I haven't had one, and I hope it stays that way. Um, but people who have had a bus and come back to the to, to the fellowship uh, bring another sense of information to the group. So they bring with them a story of a, a cautionary tale of you know don't get complacent. Remember that you're a compulsive gambler come to a meeting every week and it reminds you you're a compulsive gambler. You get to say you're a compulsive gambler. Well, you don't get to say that anywhere else. You get in a room, you can say, hi, I'm Angie and I'm a compulsive gambler. I can identify myself and my illness. And I think the fellowship provides all of those things. Um, you know, there's some people in our fellowship who, who work really hard and have worked really, really through challenging times through COVID and... Um, who are so selfless and have given so much to the fellowship that it just makes me feel humble um, that there's people who are that that selfless, who are that dedicated to um, keeping the fellowship going and also to give back what they've got out of the fellowship. And I think, you know, it, it's magic. I really do. I just think I'm just lucky that there's something like that available for people who are sick like me. Yeah, um, COVID was particularly challenging for gamblers, I understand, um, because a lot of venues closed and you know, there were restrictions on movement and things. Yeah. And also restrictions on going to meetings. So what was, I guess, your experience with online meetings? Uh, how did yeah. that... You mentioned before that they weren't... They're not as good as face-to-face, but um, how did you think they served the new member? Um, look, I think I think they were they were kind of a bit one dimensional in in my opinion. But um, at the same time, there was still an availability. There was a meeting every day, which you know you don't get. I mean, most places in outside of Melbourne, there's um, only a meeting once a week in most some towns. So having having that ability to go to a Zoom meeting was was pretty um, incredible. It was a lot of international connections made. Uh, we had a lot of people from all different parts of the world join meetings and you could go and join theirs. Uh, so that was that, that part of it was good. The, the fellowship connection was was um, important and I think, you know, there's some, some people made friends 
with other people from other fellowships all around the world, which was lovely. Um, when I say it was one-dimensional, it was um, for the meetings that I attended, it, it was just a, um, a sharing therapy part of the meeting. There was no kind of that no in-depth step stuff, which I've always found to be really good. Um, there was a, definitely a lot more men than women at the meetings. So that was, I mean, but that's generally the case anyway. Um, the, I suppose you just didn't get that. I didn't ever get the energy that we we get when we're in the room together. That that just cut, doesn't translate across the screen for me. Um, it's very hard so, to make a connection with somebody, uh, an individual, in a yeah. Zoom session. You know, you can listen to them and think it'd be nice to talk to them, but there isn't. There's not that avenue. Yeah. No. No, yeah. that's right, not that forum. So, you know, you yeah. can go along to a meeting and at the end of the meeting you can stop and talk to somebody, whereas the meeting just kind of was over and everybody just disappeared and just didn't have that connection that I needed. A lot of people loved them and I think, you know, that they served a purpose for people who maybe um, had those difficulties maybe with their jobs and their with, um, times that they work or... Um, you know, they've got kids and so they can't leave them at home if they're a single parent or whatever. So there is a definitely, um, there's, there's definitely been an, an absolute benefit for some people for these Zoom meetings. It's at least given them an avenue and it's given them a, an opportunity to join where they maybe couldn't before. So they definitely have their place, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So... Given, given your experience, have you come across many other people who've had issues with um, sort of playing games on on, on devices uh, like you did, sort of social media games? No, no, not not really, not not to the same degree. Um, I did, we did have somebody who thought that it wasn't gambling. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> But it's been an interesting conversation with people who who um, have kids, who you know. So some computer games have you know rewards and things like that. And there are, I think, even in some computer games, you can buy stuff that gets you to another level of the game or whatever, whatever. Um, and and there's a feeling in our meetings that children are being kind of introduced to gambling through these computer games, which is a bit scary. Um, but uh, oh, I've got my question now. No, but no, not not too not too many people. No, so I'm the only one in our in our group who has that experience. We've we've got lots and lots of young people who um, gamble on their phones, but that's just because that's how you gamble now, <laughs> like for the horses and all the rest of it. Um, but I was the only one that was as crazy as me, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> Good way, good way to put it. Um, yeah, I think there is a lot of um, concentration on children and getting them to to do gambling related things. Um, but and the advertising is just saturation, you know, around sport. And a lot of young men, particularly uh, young men and boys, are, are fascinated by sport and and really find it hard to separate out that gambling from sport. You know, it's a it's a very strong bond that they're they're creating in the advertising. Well, and you just have to look at how many different companies are advertising on television. They all must be making a lot of money, and um, yeah, it's becoming uh, 
socially acceptable. You know, it's 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 been a, a, a quantum change. You know, what, what I see in a very short time, like in the last ten years, that that online betting um, has taken over. You know, people used to have to go to the race track or go to a venue or go to the TAB or something. You don't have to leave your house. You don't have to leave your workplace. You can you can gamble anywhere, anywhere, any anytime. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, accessibility is certainly creating its own problem. I'm sure. And you know, we don't have a great number of people coming to our meetings um, in person. But and you know, it always worries me because I. Then that was my another one of my first thoughts when I went to my first meeting was. Surely we're not the only people with a compulsive gambling problem in this place. Why are we the only ones here? <laughs> so, you know, I hope people are getting the help they need from wherever they can, but I'm sure there's a lot of people in trouble who who don't, who haven't found us yet, and hopefully they will. Hopefully they'll come. Yeah, it's um, there's quite a rise in, um, I guess, non-anonymous fellowships, um, smart recovery. Um, there's a lot of organizations that are providing that wraparound um, yep. service that sort of provides it for many um, you know, it, it's not specific to gambling or alcohol or drugs it's it's a generic service that does all all compulsions if you like okay yeah I think there's a rise in that and I'm trying to break down the stigma associated with um, gambling and alcohol uh, abuse yeah. Um yeah, so I think that's that's you know the the new trend, and I think a lot of those are, are going online, and they're getting a lot of support, um, a lot of Good. funding. Uh, I think they're getting a bit of government funding as well, um, which yeah, I think. Wonderful. Yeah, so it, it is good, but yeah. it's not applicable to everybody, and I think they they fill a niche, and I think the anonymous fellowships fill a niche of people yeah. in, who have different requirements. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I can remember when my husband was really sick and he was in a clinic um, in rehab, and they they didn't they don't spruik abstinence, which was kind of surprising. It was more about um, control, not control, but you know, responsibility, taking responsibility, and being a responsible drinker or a responsible drug drug user or a responsible whatever. And I'm thinking, well. People who have our kind of addictions don't have we don't have that ability. I thought I thought it was kind of shocking to me that they they don't they don't press abstinence. It's more about learning how to do things better. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people have got to realise whether they can or can't do that control bit. Yeah. If they can't, then they've got to do the abstinence bit. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Um, yeah. That's a really. That's exactly right. Um, yes. And as I, I think they say in AA, you know, it's it's not it's not about not starting to drink. It's about not being able to stop once you start. And I think yeah. it's probably the same with gambling. That once you start, it's very hard to to, to yeah. stop that process. And yeah, when important. you release those those endorphins or whatever yeah. it is that gambling does to our brain, that yeah, it's psycho. And I actually had a funny experience where you know we we talk about things that maybe could trigger us and. We were away, and somebody was playing a pinball machine in a in a fish and chip shop, and I just they had all the flashing lights and all the rest of it. I had to walk away. Mm. I thought <laughs> I can just feel myself wanting just to do that all night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, listen, uh, we better wind up. So <clears throat> if anybody would like to find out more about Gamblers Anonymous, uh, you can phone them in Victoria on 0396966108 or you can go online at gaaustralia.org.au uh, for more information on recovery from compulsive gambling. Uh, that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Ange for sharing her gambling recovery story with us and talking about how Gamblers Anonymous has helped her. Thanks, Ange. Oh, you're welcome, Bill. Thank you for providing the platform for us all to learn a bit more about each other. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I hope, you, hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll feature Mark. Uh, he's a member of Alan Family Groups, and he'll be talking about alcoholism, the family disease. Coming up next, we have Belenoir, the spirit of war, hosted by Uncle Tell Jim Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco in the spirit of war on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.